Welcome. For those that don't know me, my name is Kat, and I'm the Major Gifts Officer at Muso, and I'm here with Ari. Hey, Ari. Hi, Kat. Hey. So we are really excited today because we're trying something brand new, which is this. We are creating a first ever audio message to send to you. At first, I wanted to just say that we are really thinking about you, and we're hoping you're taking care of yourself and your loved ones. It's a difficult time that we're living in. We're all under incredible challenges in our personal lives, communities, and our work lives. And we're just really thinking about you. Further to that, I wanted to express our gratitude on behalf of the entire Muso team. Your outpouring of support has been overwhelming. It's enabled Muso to rise to such an extraordinary moment and to continue to serve our patients. Our team in Mali and Cote d'Ivoire and in the Bay Area, we're all feeling this. And we're grateful to continue to the work that we do because of your support. So thank you. And we want to stay connected to you, but we obviously have new challenges, which is that we can't see you in person. So while you're at home quarantining and probably getting invited to too many Zooms and webinars, we wanted to send something to you that you could listen to. And perhaps you want to take a walk or cook something up in the kitchen or just relax in a comfortable chair. And Ari, I'm so happy to be talking with you today. You're not only leading Muso through a pandemic, but you're also on the front lines at SF General Hospital. So how are you holding up today? Thanks, Kat, for asking. I'm doing well. I am overall feeling grateful um, for the opportunity to be part of this team, to, to be part of this work. And at a moment where things have gotten pretty dark and where there's a temptation for us to throw up our hands, we just can't because all of our hands are full. Our hands are full of work of purpose. I'm curious, how are you finding hope in this moment? You know, what's giving me hope, Kat, is thinking back to another moment. And we faced uh, quite a few, another, another dark moment uh, in the history of our work um, where um, we faced some tough odds and um, yeah, a, mm. a crisis. And that's back in the fall of 2014. Um, I'm thinking mm -hmm. uh, about uh, getting, uh, waking up in the middle of the night to the news of Mali's first confirmed case of Ebola virus disease. Mm. Uh, that was the first patient was a, a two-year-old girl who had come back from a funeral with her grandmother on a bus from Guinea to Mali. And on her way back, um, she developed a fever, blood started coming out of her nose. And it took this two-year-old girl with her grandmother 120 hours to get to a doctor who could confirm her diagnosis and get her the care that she needed and deserved. Wow. Um, yeah. And at that point? Yeah. At that, that point, she had already had to travel hundreds of kilometers across Mali. She had already come into contact with dozens of other people along the way. And by the time her care became, she was uh, 
she was already just very sick. Her illness had already far progressed. She died yeah. within hours. It was too wow. late. Um, mm. And the um, just as devastating and perhaps uh, more shocking is that her experience uh, was a, sh- a shared one for far too many patients. It wasn't the outlier. It was the, the average. Mm-hmm. Um, the during the first nine months of West Africa's 2014 Ebola outbreak, 120 hours of delay, five full days of delay, was the average amount of delay that patients with Ebola virus disease faced before getting the diagnosis and care that they needed. Um, wow. Yeah. So, so they were already symptomatic for five days. And then at that point, the mortality uh, rate was so high. Yeah. Uh, with pandemics, whether it's Ebola or with COVID, uh, every hour of delay is, uh, gives the virus more opportunities to kill. Every mm-hmm. hour of delay gives the virus more opportunities to spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so time, time matters, speed matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when we woke up to this news, um, many of us expected the outbreak to spread quickly across Mali. Um, but that did not happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, disease detectives su- uh, supported by um, the Centers for Disease Control, these amazing epidemiologists, uh, managed to uh, trace and identify hundreds of people, more than 400 people had been exposed. And uh, the CDC and the Mali government together called on MUSO to uh, join this effort, this effort and do what we do best, which is find patients quickly and mm-hmm. keep them with the care they need. Uh, mm-hmm. We're speed specialists and they called upon us to help with that. Uh, how, how, do they, how do we solve the problem of actually uh, following up with these 400 uh, plus people who are potentially infected, who've been exposed, ensure that um, they get everything that, th- that they need. And so the MUSO team uh, in the days and weeks that followed uh, very quickly mobilized to build curriculum to work with other uh, NGO partners to uh, recruit a national team of uh, frontline health workers to uh, monitor and support the 400 exposed um, community members across the country and uh, train those health workers uh, and then equip and deploy them to uh, follow up uh, with each of those 400 plus people mm-hmm. twice a day, checking their temperatures with infrared thermometer, checking their symptoms. Uh, and once this system got deployed, something really extraordinary happened. Um, by removing all of these barriers to care and to diagnosis, by bringing this follow-up to folks uh, where they lived twice a day, uh, we we're able to cut delays by close to an order of magnitude. Uh, most new cases uh, were identified and diagnosed the same day that symptoms started. Wow. So once that happened, new transmission ground to halt. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. And and with early care, patients just stop dying. Uh, mortality from Ebola plummeted. The outbreak was over in a matter of weeks. Incredible. Wow. And Musso, really, this was our first experience in a epidemic scenario where we were asked to uh, con- conduct contact tracing and monitoring um, and really testing the limits of our um, our model on speed. Um, what what a time to have to call upon today now that we are really up against co- uh, the coronavirus. And it sounds like a lot of lessons from that moment um, are so relevant today. What do you think we've learned from that experience um, that is applicable to our emphasis on time and speed right now as we are up against COVID? Speed for us at Muso, it is first a moral commitment. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a moral mm-hmm. responsibility. Mm-hmm. We do this work together at Muso because we believe that no one should die waiting for health care. Yeah. That um, the fact that when any of us gets care too often depends on where we were born, mm-hmm. where we live today, the color of our skin, where we worship, uh, our gender. Um, the fact that those things determine when we get care and as a result of that, whether we live or die, mm. that is the great injustice that we are fighting against. We're fighting against the injustice of delay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's speed for us. That is our core moral commitment. Yeah. Our moral commitment to fight the injustice of delay. And mm-hmm. that manifested during Ebola. That manifests for us every day as we uh, work to... Um, ensure rapid access to care for all of our patients so that they don't die of curable disease like malaria or pneumonia, diarrheal disease, postpartum hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's our commitment every day. And that commitment just got um, all the more urgent. SARS-CoV-2 is a virus that um, demands even greater speed from us. Because, yeah, could you yeah. right? Could you talk more about that? I mean, I, I, there's some differences though between Ebola and COVID. Um, COVID is can be completely asymptomatic, or it can be um, infectious uh, during a period of time where a patient might not present symptoms. Um, why is speed? So, could you talk about why speed is so is so much more of a challenge at this moment? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Even was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and interestingly enough, um, many different microbes can produce asymptomatic in- infections. Um, mm. e- even Ebola, uh, although um, it, it's um, not commonly talked about, um, if you go back to any uh, village, any community affected by e- Ebola afterward, you'll find folks with antibodies proof of past infections who never got sick. Wow. So even if Ebola can produce asymptomatic infections, but the, the advantage that we had with Ebola 
the Ebola response was that uh, Ebola does not transmit in general until it starts to present symptoms. So mm -hmm. folks who are not presenting symptoms are not uh, spreading the disease. Mm -hmm. So Ebola, uh, we could find uh, and isolate folks the, the day that they um, first began uh, to have symptoms and that would be enough to shut down transmission. But, mm -hmm. but we know that um, many patients infected with uh, COVID-19 uh, start transmitting the virus before they develop their first symptoms. Um, so that means that mm -hmm. standards, for, we, we just need to move so much faster even mm -hmm. for Ebola with, with COVID-19. We need to be finding and isolating folks who've been exposed uh, as soon as possible after they've been exposed, before mm -hmm. they have uh, the opportunity to become contagious. Uh, even, um, even folks who don't have any symptoms. And so th that takes a very aggressive and rapid approach to mm -hmm. compare, to diagnosis, to contact tracing and monitoring, to proactive case detection, to bringing um, all of these services to patients where they are uh, with just some extraordinary speed. So that's the challenge in front of us. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I mean, the contact tracing and monitoring plan now in Mali is, is being carried out on a national level um, at the request of the, the government. Muso's carrying this massive undertaking out um, across seven regions of the country in 28 districts with teams of tracers and monitors and supervisors and coordinators. How is this being deployed? Um, you're saying it's got to be aggressive and it's got to be faster than we even were doing at the rate of Ebola. So um, very quickly and from the very beginning of Mali's uh, COVID-19 outbreak, we were called upon by the government to build uh, the curriculum, design uh, with them uh, the uh, contact tracing and monitoring systems that, that they uh, needed and uh, to support them to, to get it rolled out. Um, and uh, we've been so privileged to get to work in, in, and accompany the Malian government is, uh, in building this program across seven regions of the country. Um, and here's uh, essentially uh, what it looks like. Um, when a case uh, of a patient infected with COVID-19 is confirmed, when, when that positive test results, uh, in each district, there's a team of uh, contact, uh, there's a team of contact tracers, and a specific contact tracer gets uh, assigned to, to each new case, each new positive test result, and to uh, conduct interviews and find everyone who's been uh, in contact, uh, who this person has been in contact with. Um, once they've created that list of, of names of people and their contact information, and they, they share that with a second team, a team of contact monitors. Uh, mm -hmm. These folks um, then assign one member of their team, a contact monitor, to go out and find and do a home visit with each of the folks who've been exposed to explain the situation, provide counseling, uh, help them figure out how to isolate within their home, 
support them through that process, and then uh, follow up with them twice a day for 14 days to screen them for any symptoms that develop so that they can get um, uh, tested and diagnosed the first day that they develop symptoms and so that they can isolate and quarantine as quickly as possible after they've been exposed. Wow. The goal is to outrace the virus. Right. Uh, to do that, um, even just the monitoring isn't enough. That isn't fast enough. And mm -hmm. so as, as soon as that contact monitor um, identifies that one of the folks that they are, they have, are supporting to isolate and monitoring for symptoms, as soon as any of them develop their first symptom, the contact monitor calls a third team, the rapid response team, which is present in each district. This rapid response team, these are folks from the government's district team that come out with the testing materials to the pa patient's home and do the sample collection in the home. You know, imagine you're, you've been exposed, you're isolating at home, you develop your first symptom, um, and someone actually calls you uh, to, to confirm that symptom. You, you have moved an inch, and then uh, someone brings the test to you, gets you tested, brings it back to the lab, confirms the test result, gets you back that test result, and then uh, if you need to get to a higher level of care, organizes transport for you to get to that higher level of care. Um, so that's what the rapid response team does. And as wow. they do that, they also uh, begin the cycle again, activating the contact tracers to see uh, who, if anyone, uh, could have uh, could that new case have, have exposed. And the cycle begins again. Um, mm. th these are the, the three teams, the contact tracers, the contact monitors, and the rapid response team that are working together. In addition to COVID, I was, I'm, I'm curious if we could talk a little bit about how another aspect of, of our work is, um, is to ensure that our community health workers are continuing at the same rate of treating our patients um, with essential health services. You know, the burden of diseases of malaria and diarrheal disease and pneumonia um, you know, postpartum hemorrhaging and complications in, in childbirth. Those are still active um, problems that, we, that our community health workers are, are, going, are working in our communities. Could you talk about how we've been able to ensure the continuity of care? So the continuity of care is, um, sh you know, showing up for our patients every day ensuring that they don't get delays to care because of COVID or because of not having enough money in their pocket or because care is too far away. That's our core mission that we're working to deliver for our patients on every single day. Mm -hmm. And um, that mission, COVID has placed that mission at risk. We know that in the context of, of outbreaks, access to care uh, plummets um, everywhere. Um, and we are seeing this also here in the United States, um, that we're seeing rates of access to care plummet. We're seeing uh, a lot more delays in, of folks getting access to care for other things that are not COVID too late because of the COVID pandemic. Um, and so in that context, we saw from the very beginning how that how there are life and death stakes here 
for mm -hmm. whether or not we can ensure that patients still get uh, care with the same kind of urgency and speed for things that are not COVID in the same context. So what have we done? Uh, number one, we've ensured that um, our providers, these uh, brave folks on the front lines who, who are our teammates, um, have what they need uh, to stay protective and keep caring. Uh, mm -hmm. And so that involved, has involved a, a lot of uh, PPE procurement for our community health workers, for uh, doctors and nurses on our team. And um, also working with the Mali government and an array of other amazing partners to mobilize uh, protective equipment for uh, healthcare providers across the country who are responsible mm -hmm. for serving millions of patients. Um, uh, we've been working on that as, as well and uh, have helped the Malian government uh, work with international partners to estimate its needs and to uh, arrange uh, to, uh, to mobilize uh, millions of pieces of, of uh, personal protective equipment that are currently on route to, uh, to, to Mali, thanks uh, to our, the work that we've been able to do with our partners at uh, Direct Relief International and Village Reach and others. Ari, you know, with, with all of the challenges that our team is up against, it's also important to um, to talk about some uplifting times when perhaps, you know, a positive decision led to a cascade of other positive actions um, and, and um, our moments to celebrate. Um, are there any, any particular times that um, are worth sharing that have provided hope and um, a moment to sort of celebrate all of the heroic effort? I remember uh, this past winter, actually, the day that um, the COVID-19 outbreak was uh, confirmed uh, and announced, I uh, was in Mali and I arrived at the Ministry of Health um, actually rather late in the evening. I think it was uh, close to 8 p.m. Um, to, uh, and I found the Secretary General of the Minister, Ministry of Health um, who is this am amazing man, Dr. Mama Kumare. And I found him with a group of folks in, in his office um, working into the night um, to build Mali's COVID response plan. Um, the, the very day that it, um, the outbreak was confirmed, uh, Mali having been through the experience with Ebola, having uh, seen what an outbreak like this could do was taking it, uh, the situation with such great urgency um, that uh, its, its top health officials were, yeah, they were, they were working into the night to, to build a, a plan mm -hmm. um, to, to protect uh, Mali's 19 million people. Uh, and and that, that um, is a moment that I um, mm. back to um, and that's particularly moving for, for me, knowing that how, how hard people are pushing, knowing how much so many folks are, are sacrificing uh, for our, our neighbors, for, for each other. Mm -hmm. It has just been powerful to see our um, community health workers 
and uh, the nurses and doctors uh, we, we work with on our team uh, step up uh, in this moment and um, the, the work that they've been doing, the way that they have been sweating and sacrificing to ensure that their, their patients um, get, get care quickly um, and um, putting them themselves right out there uh, mm. to, to, to care and to make it happen. And, and also, I, I, I've been just so moved by the, how, how much our community of action has mobilized in the, this moment, how much all of you have, have, have moved to, to action and uh, committed and to stand with our patients um, at this moment, at a moment where all of us are feeling vulnerable, at a moment where all of us are facing such challenge and, and adversity. Um, so many of you have recognized um, the, um, how much we can and must do for each other in a moment like this, mm-hmm. even for folks who live thousands of miles away, uh, who, um, who we've never met before, that we have a stake in each other's lives and we have um, a stake in correcting the same injustices together. Yeah, thank you for adding that. Well, Ari, I think that we'll close it up now. But before we do, I I just wanted to thank everyone for listening in on our conversation. Um, And again, this is our first time trying it out. So let us know if you enjoyed it. Please send me an email. And if you have other ideas of how we can stay in touch, please let me know those as well. Ari, I'm wondering, before we close up, do you have anything joyful or special you'd like to share? Yeah, um, it's it's a it's a real joy. I feel uh, grateful to have this opportunity just to to be reaching out to to each of you um, and and uh, to, to be have this moment of of connection. And I'm I'm looking forward to opportunities to to get to talk to to all of you. Um, and uh, I'm also excited to share the news that uh, Jessica and I are are expecting and. Um, and uh, that uh, we are, uh, God willing, hoping to uh, become parents in just a few weeks um, uh, later this month. Probably. We are so thrilled, Ari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're really excited about it. And um, also grateful to all of you for, for helping to, to make this a world that, that we want to bring a new little person into. Um, so um, I'm going to be off on, um, on parental leave uh, starting in a, a later this month for about six weeks. But um, I've, I also feel grateful that we have such an am- amazing team um, that um, Musa is going to be in, in great hands during that time. I'm sure everyone has a big smile on their face as I do over here um, hearing the, the news. And, um, and I just wanted to thank everyone once again. And on behalf of the whole Muso team, we wish you good health and take care of you and your loved ones. And we hope to talk to you again very soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, everyone.